This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Probably one of the most important Rashi's, for me anyway, in the Torah. There's a Rashi in Pachas Lassacha. Simply for people who are struggling and have a hard, going through a hard life. Hashem told Abraham Avinu, well, first of all, we all have this picture which, which has to be broken because it's a picture that we learn in Yeshiva and it's, it's very detrimental, it's very not good for us. That, that the people in the Torah were, super, were like, were, were Superman. Avram was like Superman and Yitzchak and Yaakov and the Mahos and because if, if, they're not, if they're not human, I can't learn anything from them. In other words, Avram Avinu was such a big tzaddik and, and Yitzchak and Yaakov, what you... Why are, you, you know, why are you telling me stories about something that I can never be? Like it's just, it's just a story. But for me to get chizik from somebody has to be that that I could be that person. So, very very famous story. I don't know who the Rebbe was. Maybe it was a different Chaim. I'm not sure who the Rebbe was. And um, I see them were sitting there, and this this old man came in, and they mamish never saw someone that looked that old. He looked like he was 500 years old. Very very old. Very very poor. And he sat down at the table and he asked for some food and they gave him food. And all Chassidim were like, Eliyar Nabi's coming to see the Rebbe. There's nothing to talk about. They never saw a person that looked that old. And, um, and they gave him to eat, whatever it is. And he said, thank you, and he left. And they all said to the Rebbe, that was, that was Eliyar Nabi? He said, I hope not. Kind of what kind of answer that from the Rebbe? I mean, you hope not. You hope yes. He says, with Eliyar Nabi, then I didn't do, I didn't do the mitzvah of Tzedakah. So you know he doesn't need Sadak. I hope he was a regular poor man. So we're, we're not looking to be you know Allah himself of Ramavir. Yeah. Ramavir did I can't Yitzchak. I'm not on that. I'll never be able to do that. He was mysterious Nefesh. I can't do that. He did crazy chesed because he's a Ramavir. I'm not a so, so the most important thing is we need to know that the the Sadiqim in the in the Torah had huge challenges. Just like we all did. And they went through the same challenges that we did. Moshe Rabbeinu came out of the of Paros Castle, and he said, "I don't know if I'm an Ish Mitzri or an Ish Ivri." He wasn't sure. He had an identity crisis. He wasn't sure what he was because he was brought up by the Goyim. You go to yeshiva. Batya, the minute he could, the minute he could talk, Batya took him into the palace. So everybody, Yosef Asadik had a challenge with Potiphar's wife. So he made him laugh when they said you're going to have a baby. They, they, were, human. they were humans. Otherwise, why am I learning this? About my, an angel? And he told me about angels? So there's a Rashi here that makes Avram Avinu so human, so like all of us, that after you learn this Rashi, you can learn any, everything that Avram Avinu you can learn from. Because you see that he wasn't any different than we are. What's this? What's this? What's Rashi? What, what are you talking about, right? So. Hashem told Abraham Avinu to, 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 to give Yishmael a bris and that he should have a bris, right? The bris ben Absarim. So listen to this. Abraham ben Tishim Shan. Abraham was 99 years old. Behimolo Bisar Oloso. When the Orla, right, of the bris, the bris he was mild. Then not say Behimolo means when he was circumcised. So it sounds like someone else circumcised him. But we know that nobody else nobody else was a moil. So what's going on here? Why is the Prophet say Behimolo? 
So Rashi says, if you want to look at it, Notal Avram Sakin. Avram took a knife. And he held on to the extra skin that has to be cut off by the bris. And he wanted to do the bris. He wanted to cut the skin that he had to cut. But he, he was too scared. Why? Because he was old. And his hands were shaking. And he definitely didn't want to make a mistake when he's doing a bris on himself. Abram's hands were shaking? Abram Avinu's hands were shaking? Yeah. Abram Avinu was scared? Mishyara? Abram Avinu was scared? He went up against the kings with, with 318 soldiers, or maybe just Eliezer, and he was scared of giving himself a little cut? A little brismila? Rashi, what's going on over here? So he was scared. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do the bris. What does Hashem do when he sees someone scared and someone doesn't want to go forward and someone's hand is shaking and someone says, I'm not, I can't do this, Rebbe, it's not going to happen. So what does Hashem, what does Hashem, what does he do? He says, well, you're not a superstar, next. You're not, you know, Valedictorian yeshiva, we'll not take a new neck back next year. Like, have a good day, you know, you failed, your hands were shaking, you didn't do it. You didn't accomplish, you didn't do the goal. No. Beautiful Rashi. Hashem stretched out his hand, and he held on to the knife together with Abraham Avinu so it wouldn't shake. Shinema. The Charois, we say it every morning. The Charois, Imo Habris. With him, they made the bris. Who's the with him? Because Baruch together um, with with Avraham Avinu. Lo, Lo Namar. Doesn't say the Charois, Lo Habris. Eli Imo, Rashi's Rabba, Rashi Yashem. When I learned this Rashi, to me, it was the biggest. Chizik, that I know that it's human to be scared. And even Avram Avinu, who was Avram Avinu, was scared. And even Avram Avinu's hands were shaking. But he waited for Hashem to hold his hand so that he could do the Brismila. And all of us that have challenges and are going through hard times in life and sometimes say like I just can't do it I'm shaking, I'm, I don't have the self esteem I can't do it I have to know that if you are at that point just stretch out your hand I'm hold your hand it's Rashi it's not, it's not a Wallstein Shear it's not something you read in a book it's not like wow Chizik Rabbi you're a chizik. It's a Rashi. It's not only a Rashi. It's an old. It's a, it's a Rashi Yashan. Most people don't know this Rashi. They don't know that Ramavino didn't do the bris. That Hashem had to do the bris with them. There's a question on it on this Rashi. I never found the Teretz. 
if Hashem did the bris with him, it should have healed right away. We know that he sat there on the third day, next week's parsha, and he was very sick. If Hashem did the bris with him, right? So when I, it should have healed right away. When I, if Hashem did the bris, if Hashem does something, it, it heals right away. If Hashem does, the Moshe didn't heal right away. Hashem didn't do, it, but Hashem was Hashem actually did the mila. But at the same time, Hashem was only a partner in the mila. There was still a human being that was doing the mila, which was Avinu. So, I just think that it's a very big Rashi to understand that there's so much you can learn from everybody in the Torah that they also had, they also were scared. They also had fear. Their hands also shook. They also had doubts. And the reason that we learn it is because they, every one of them, Moshe overcame his stuff, and Yosef Atzadik overcame what he went through, and David HaMelech overcame what he went through, and Abraham Avinu didn't have any children, and he had to have Akedah, so he made them children for 90 years. Rivka had an ace of Yaakov lost Yosef, he lost uh, his wife Rachel died, Dina was uh, was molested by Shechem Yaakov had a terrible life all of them, all of them, all, everybody in the Torah had challenges, every one of them people say, you know, I was abused I'm going off the derech, what more abuse is it than your, your brothers take off all your clothing and throw you into a pit of snakes that's, that's abuse and then they sell you down to Mitzrayim away from home and, and what did Yosef do? Did he, did he start smoking marijuana? Did he get depressed? Did he sleep till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, hang out till 3 in the morning? Did he get a jewel? Was he smoking a jewel the whole day? Was he listening to rock and roll? What did, what did Yosef Atzalik do? What did he do? He saved the world. The whole world he saved. The whole world was going to starve. He saved the whole world. What did Dabra Melech do? Dabra Melech was called a mamzer, thrown into Beis Lechem. His son Absalom tried to kill him. His father-in-law, Shaul, tried to kill him. Everybody tried to kill him. Whoever got a hold of David Melch, they tried to kill him. Everybody. What did he become? David Melch. All, all people in the Torah were challenged. All of them went through. Dina went through a hard time. Rachel Mena went through a hard time. Leah was crying her whole life. Go through any of the Yimahos, go through any of the others. Sarai didn't have to for 90 years. There was no bone all of them. No organizations. 90 years, she didn't have children. They told her to have children. She started laughing. Noach had a chum. You know what chum did to him last week's parashat? She never knows such a thing. Adam lost a child. When, imagine someone never... He, he, he has two children and one kills the other. You want trauma? He, how long was he alive? Right? He was, he was, he was just... The, the day he was created, and he, and he ate and ate that. He didn't have air. He thought he would never be forgiven for Every single person in the Torah, every single story, every single person. Aaron Akohen, two sons in front of him. Two children in front of him died. The Egel, Chayisrael, suffering. The, the Moraglin, the, the uh, Kairach. Every parasha is a tragedy. Every parasha. So why do, we, why, do, why do we have this? Because we see... That all these people, all these people became Moshe Rabbeinu, Davon Amalek, Yosef HaTzadik, Avram Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu, Sari Menu. They all became great. They had challenges and they all became great. Because at the end of the day they knew, they had, they had a Munah, and they had Bitachon and Hashem. And that's what, that's what saved them, every single one of them. And, and that's really what all of the boys in this room, you need to know this, very important, that yes, there is a Rashi, Rabbi Wallstein once told me about this Rashi. Rabbi Ram's hands were shaking 
And he said, I can't do this. And Hashem said, you don't have to do this alone. I will do it with you. Boys, you're never alone. You need to know that. You're never alone. The difference between a Jew and a guy, the Jew needs to know that if everyone walks out of him and there's nobody left in the world, you need to know that you're not alone. You still have God. And it's very, very, very important because when you think that you're totally alone and nobody cares, that's when your life is over. We are never, ever alone. Nobody is ever alone. This is the Rashi. He says he's standing. Shem says, "Do a bridge." He's like, "I can't. No, no can do." Shem told Moshe Ben, "Go to go to Mitzrayim." He said, "I can't talk. I don't. I don't. I can't talk. I stutter. I lisp. I'm not going." Seven times he said, "I'm not going." Hashem, would you tell Hashem seven times, "I'm not going"? I would be like, "Wherever you want, I, I'm there." Moshe Ben said, "No, I'm not going because I'm going to embarrass you, Hashem. I'm going to get up in front of Paro. I'm going to stutter, and I'm going to say." There's a God that's going to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. And, and Paul's going to say, you, your God's not even a speech therapist. He can't stop you from stuttering and I should worry about him. And, he did, and Paul did that. He made fun of Hashem. He made fun of Moshe Ben. Moshe Ben said, I'm not, I'm not going to go and I'm going to embarrass you, Hashem. And Hashem said, that's my business. You're going. And I gave, I gave you the speech defect and I will be there for you. And that's really, if you know that you have Hashem and you're not alone... You'll always be okay. You'll always be okay. Because the worst thing is when a person feels that everyone gave up on them. And that will never happen as long as you have a munah and be talking. And sometimes it feels very, very lonely. Sometimes your hands are shaking. And sometimes you're scared. You're not the first one. Avramavina was there. So Rashi, this is, do you know this Rashi? Nobody knows this Rashi. Teeny little Rashi. The problem with this Rashi is at the end of the Pasha, when you go to Yeshiva, you start learning from the beginning of the Pasha. Don't go backwards. It's a little teeny Rashi. It's a little teeny Rashi. Is there a sister Kachamim on it? I don't think so. No. Game over. No. Maybe there. So let me tell you a crazy story about Amuna. And then I'll tell you whose story it is. So there was a king, and he wanted to know if the people in his kingdom really liked him. Now he knew if he's going to ask them as a king, they're not going to tell him the truth. So what did he do? He got dressed up as a poor man, and he went around the city to listen. Nobody knew it was the king. He looked like a beggar. To listen, to see what people were saying about him. So he comes to the first house. And he's listening in the window at night. And they're like, I hate the king. It's like Trump a little bit. like you know, <laughs> I hate him. The taxes that he puts on us. He's a mishuganah. And he's so mean. He says, okay, they don't like me. He goes to the next one. And he goes to every single house. And all he hears, they're bad-mouthing him. Everybody hates him. Finally, he comes to the corner of the city, there's a broken down shack. Like you could tell right away, it was a poor man. It was half sunken into the earth. He looks in the window, and there's this poor man, and he has pita, 
on a table, a little pizza, a little tchina, some salad, and a glass of wine. And he's holding up the glass of wine, and he's like, he doesn't know anyone's looking in the window. Long live the king! There's nobody like the king! The king is the greatest man on earth! The king's like, everybody hates me? This guy likes me? Let's find out what's going on. Knocks on the door. They let him in. This guy thinks he's even poorer than him. He says, oh, let me give you some of my tina, some of my, my salad. No, no, he says, I'm not hungry. What's up with you and the king? Like, you're dancing around the table. He says, oh, he says, let me tell you. I'm a fix-it guy. He went to the shishiba. He says, I, I can fix anything that's broken. Every day I go to work, I go to people's houses, and I fix things that are broken. And they pay me six shaka. I go straight to the store, I buy a glass of wine, my pita, my tchina, my salad. My house is a broken down house, I don't have to pay rent for it. Life is great! The king doesn't tax me. It's fantastic, I love him! He says, yeah, he loves me, we'll see if he really loves me. Okay, so what does he do? He goes back at night, he goes back into his castle. The next morning, he calls his lawmakers together and he makes a new law. Nobody is allowed to hire anyone to fix anything. Okay? So, comes out that morning in the newspapers. No one's allowed to hire this Neville, this poor, poor guy. He goes from house to house. Do you need anything to fix? They're like, you didn't hear the king said that you're not allowed to hire anyone to fix anything. Sorry, we can't help you. He's sabrachin. He has no food. He has nothing. He's on his way home. No shekels. No food. He walks by a barn. There's a big sign looking for someone to help in the barn. He goes inside. He says, what's going on? He says, listen, the guy didn't show up today. If you clean the barn, we'll pay you. He says, how much will you pay me? Six shekel. Perfect. He cleans the whole barn. They pay him. That night, the king gets dressed up as a poor man again. Goes to look in the window. He figures, now this guy's, I got him, right? Guy's dancing around the table. Long live the king. Goes inside. He says, what's going on? He says, you're not going to believe it. What a kingdom. I don't know why, but the king put out a rule that you can't fix anything anymore. I don't know why he did that. But it's okay. I got a job. I clean, this, I clean the barn. I got my six shekel. Can I give you some pita? No, no, no. I'm going to fix this guy's wagon. Next morning, he puts out a rule. You're not allowed to hire anyone to clean any barns. Comes back to the barn to help clean. They're like, oh, well, sorry. The king put out a thing. But you're not allowed to hire anyone. What's going on? Every time I get a job, the king puts out a thing. What's going on? Okay, I don't know. He's sabrachim. He's got to go home where he has no food. Starts going home. And he sees this very rich man chopping wood. He looks up and says, where's your servant? My servant sits today. You want to chop the wood for me? He says, yeah, sure. How much do you pay? Six shekel. Beautiful. He says, now I'm sure I got him. Looks in the window. The guy's dancing. Comes walking in. He says, what are you dancing about? He goes, I don't know what's going on with the king. He made a law. You can't clean out barns. But Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I got another job. I'm now chopping wood. He says, this guy is a tough guy. <laughs> Puts out a law, a rule. Now I'll hire anyone to chop wood. Comes back the next day to the rich man and says, can I chop your wood? He goes, there's a new law. You know, I'll chop wood. He says, such a weird thing. Every time I get a job, the king goes, ha. I don't understand. What am I going to do? I have no food. Now I'm really stuck. He's walking home. He's sabrachim. He sees a sign. Join the army. 
join the army. Join the army. He goes to the army recruiting center and he says, so what does it take to join the army? He says, sign the bottom line, you get clothing, you get a sword, and you get six shekel a day. Fine, that day he does some guard shifts, whatever. They get the six shekel. The king's like, for sure, this time I got him. The guy's dancing again. He comes into the house. Well, we'll be here until tomorrow morning. Anyway, he comes in. No, it's over now. He comes into the house. This is my favorite story of all my stories. And he says to him, what are you dancing about? He goes, you're not going to believe it. But I got a job in the, in the king's army. And they pay six shekel. That's it. Now I'm good for life because I'm going to I'm going to get every. This is unbelievable. The best job I ever got. I'm so happy that I don't have to chop wood and I don't have to clean out barns and I don't have to fix things. I'm in the army. He said, I'm going to fix this guy. <laughs> Next day, he sends a message to all the army recruiting centers. I'm not paying by the day anymore. We're paying by the month. So no more six shekel a day, right? It's 180 shekel a month. They get paid at the end of the month. So he comes at the end of the day. He says, "Can I get my six shekel?" They're like, "No." We don't pay by the day anymore. We pay by the month. We pay by the month. Uh, if I don't have anything to eat for the next three days, I'm going to die. He said, we can't help you. He's like, I don't have everything I get. He takes away from me. So I don't know what to do. Now I'm really hungry. What am I going to do? There's no more jobs left. I got an idea. He takes out the sword. Beautiful sword. The steel blade. Beautiful. He says, listen, we're at peace. There's no war over here. I'm going to break the steel off. I'm going to go to the smith. I'm going to sell him the blade. And then I'm going to go home because he was a fixer guy. He was like, you guys, he's good with his hands. I'm going to make a wooden sword, connect it to the hilt, put it in the scabbard. No one's going to ever know that I sold the sword. Perfect. He breaks it. He sells it. Makes a wooden sword, puts it in, puts it in the scabbard. The king comes that night. The guy's dancing. He says to him, what's going on? He says, listen, I'm going to tell you something, but you got to make sure that no one ever finds out about this because if they find out that I broke the king's sword and sold it, they will chop my head off. It's punishable by death. So whatever you do, I'm going to show you this, but it's a secret. If the king ever finds out, I'm dead. Meanwhile, he's talking to the king. So he takes out the thing and he's so proud. He says, I sold the steel and I got this. You want, you want some pita? He's like, no, I don't want any pita. He says, look how nice I made a wooden sword. They will never know. King says, now I got him. Now he's finished. He goes to the jail. He says, is there anyone supposed to die? Any, any uh, executions in the next week? He says, yeah. In two days, we have an execution, a murderer. This is good. He sends a message to the army. He wants all the soldiers to be at the execution, and he's inviting the whole country to watch a public execution. Everyone should know what happens to a murderer. It's the first execution they're having like in 20 years publicly. Everybody's there, and all the soldiers are lined up. The king's sitting there with his men, and that was the poor guy who's supposed to get his head chopped off. His head is on the wooden block. His hands are tied behind him. The king's looking. And of course, the guy doesn't recognize the king because now he's dressed in his crown and all his beauty. And the king points to the poor man. He says, you! Come here! The guy said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do? He says, when did you join the army? He goes, a few days ago. He says, good. Your first job in the army, you're going to be the executioner. You're going to chop his head off. And the guy's like, 
oh my gosh when they see my sword when I pull out my sword I'm dead they're going to be like what is that you soul I'm dead so he's standing there and the king knows right he knows what he's doing and he wants to see what this guy's going to do so this guy's thinking to himself you know what I'm going to do they're going to kill me for what I, for what I did selling this, the sword but you know what I'm going to do I'm going to turn around to all the people and I'm going to tell them I want everyone to know that I was a poor man and I had a and I had a poor job hold on a second hello I'm in the middle of a very good story I'm in Lakewood I can't talk to you I'm in Lakewood in the middle of the story in Yeshiva I have to call you back unless it's very good news is it very good news? So then I don't want to talk to you. Make me the executioner. Okay, thank you. Make me the thank executioner. You. My secretary, it's not my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, she says like this, I'm going to get up in front of everyone and I'm going to tell them. I'm a poor man, I had no food, I had a job fixing things. That king, you know what he did? He took my job away. And then I said, okay, I love him anyway. So then I got a job cleaning barns. That king, he took that away. And then I got a job chopping wood. And he took that away. And then I became a soldier. And he took that away. So you know what? I had no food. So I had to sell my... You want to kill me? That I had to sell the steel? I'm going to stand up for myself. But I love the king. And if I do that, I'm going to make him look so bad. I don't want to make the king look so bad. And the king's watching his face, watching the whole thing. And all of a sudden, this poor guy has a smile from one end of his face to the other end, and the king's like, this Mr. Shogun is about to die. What is he smiling about? And he turns to the king, the soldier, the poor man, he says, could I say something to the crowd? The king said, oh yeah. He's going to now have to tell the crowd, oh yeah. So he turns to the, I have to get up. This is worth getting up. He turns. He turns to the crowd. Everyone's, everyone's sitting there, and he says, "The king is the greatest human being that God ever put on this world, and you need to know that this man that's about to be executed was judged for death by three human judges who can make a mistake." I am asking you, God, in front of everyone, that because the king is so great, that if the judges were wrong, and this man is innocent, you should make a miracle in front of everyone, that my sword should turn into wood. And he pulls his sword out, and it's wood. And everyone starts bowing down to the king. Oh my God, a miracle! The man is innocent! Look what God did! He's the most amazing king in the world! He changed steel into wood! This is amazing! And the king is sitting there. He's like, I took every job this guy had away from him. He had a chance now to embarrass me in front of everyone. And instead he makes up a story to make me look better than any other king that ever lived. Everyone's bowing down. No one ever had a miracle like that. Oh my God. And of course, what happens to the guy who's about to be have his head chopped off? It shows that he was innocent. So they have to untie him and let him go. And he's like, 
what's going on here? He knows he murdered somebody. He's like, what, what just happened? Like, God did a crazy miracle for me. He changed this guy's sword into wood. Because he doesn't know what the guy was doing. So he's getting up and saying like, oh my God, what a miracle for me. Everybody's sitting there saying, oh my God, what a miracle. The king is amazing. And the king's like, I made this guy's life so miserable. It took away everything that he had. And instead of getting up and embarrassing me, he gets up and makes me look so good. So the king turns to the poor man. Just come here. He says, do you know who I really am? I came to your house five nights in a row. I'm the poor man. I took away your job as a fix-it man. I took you away your job as a wood chopper. I took away all your jobs. I knew, I knew that you sold my sword. I knew everything. I tested you. And then you made this whole story up to make me look good. From now on, you no longer live in that hut. From now on, you live in the palace. Because there's nobody in the world that I could trust more than you. Because I listened to what everyone else had to say and how they hated me secretly. And I see that you really, really love me. I want you wherever I am, you need to be. That's the story. Whose story is this? Anyone here know whose story this is? Who wrote this story? It's in the Sefer Maishiyas. It's in the Sefer Maishiyas. By the Bressel of Arav. Rebbe. It's his story. What's his... What's he saying? What's the translation of the story? So his Talmudian wrote that in the times of Mashiach, we're all going to be tested. A lot of things that we hold dear will be taken away from us. Two base Amigdash destroyed, Spanish Inquisition, Holocaust, persecution, cancer, a lot of stuff is going to be taken away from us. And Hashem just wants to know, are you going to get up and say, you know why I moved to Derech? Well, you did this, Hashem, and you did this, Hashem, and my Rebbe did this, and this guy did that, and this guy did that, so you know what? That's why I am what I am. You know what? Because you didn't treat me right. Oh, okay. You could say that. Or, you can make a kiddush Hashem. But even though I went through all this pain, and even though I'm having such a hard time, I still love you, Hashem. And I think very much, boys, that that's what this yeshiva is. This yeshiva is that story. The guys that are in this yeshiva, you're here because you struggled. You struggled in other schools. And you didn't have what everyone else had. And you had a choice. Some of you went through abuse. Some of you didn't do, just didn't do well in school. Some of you are coming from families that are dysfunctional. We all have our stuff. And we have two choices. You can be angry at Hashem. You want me to go learn night Seder? You want me to daven? 
You want me to learn? You want me to go to yeshiva? Are you crazy? After what I went through in school, what I, after what I went through in life, I'm going to be in Lakewood. I'm going to take off my yarmulke. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to be with girls. I'm going to watch movies. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, to, to Gaiyashi music. You know what you did to me, Hashem? Have a good day. Yeah, that's, that's one way of reacting. Or, what the rest of the, what, what Rav Nachman was saying is, or, you get closer to a Hashem. You say like, I don't understand, and I won't understand till the end of time, but I'm not going to make a chilash. I'm going to make a kiddush Hashem. I'm going to get closer to you. Yeah, you, you took away this, and you took away that, and then you took away this, and then you took away that. It's okay. Because at the end of the day, I love you, and therefore, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to, you know, this, this, this girl this week, or four or three girls, they got baptized and became Christians in public, and it's going all over the place, and it's all over WhatsApp, and people are crying, and people are broken, and of course I get all the phone calls, and I'm like, I'm like they went on WhatsApp and they became Christians? What, what, what does that mean? They just want to get attention. They're idiots. That's how they're reacting to what they're going through in life. They're telling Hashem, here, look, everybody, look what I look like. And people are crying. I'm not crying. I'm not crying because, first of all, you can't turn a Jew into a guy. Like, like what, you, want to, you, you don't have enough in your life, 630 minutes, and now you want Yashka on the wall. Like, what, like hello. Like, you know, I understand if you get rid of a guy, you become an atheist. But now you need Yashka, you got to go to church on Sunday also? Like, you don't want to go to Shul on Shabbos, now you're going to go to church on Sunday. Like, what are you talking about? You, 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 the Christmas tree is like such a big thing. Hanukkah, we get, we get every night a present. Christmas is only one night. Come on, what are you doing? No Purim, no Hanukkah. I'm like, that's, that's, so that's the guy who goes through stuff. And, and, and you know, it's a very famous story with them. So, he, they, so the, these girls, right, so everyone's crying because, you know, they sprinkle water on you and then you're baptizing and you're a Catholic and then you're a Yashka girl or whatever you are, right? And everyone's crying because they have this holy water to sprinkle on their heads, Right? So I heard an Ayurvedic story. This guy went, it was a Jewish guy, and he decided he wants to become a Catholic. He wants to become a Christian. So he goes to the priest. He says to the priest, I don't want to be a Jew, I want to be a Christian. The priest says, oh, good, they like that. So they're like, okay, come here. We have holy water. Takes the water, put a wafer in your mouth, okay? It's not even a good wafer, there's no chocolate on it, whatever. And it's not a waffle from Eric's store, like chocolate wafers. Anyway, so they, they, they sprinkle the water and they're like, you were a Jew, now you're a Christian Catholic. The guy's like, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian Catholic. Tell me, what, what do I need to know? The Jewish guy asked the priest, what do I need to know? He says, listen, there's one rule that we're very strict about. Friday night, we eat fish. We don't eat meat. They don't, they eat fish, we don't eat meat. That's the halacha. So he says, that's it? They're like, that's it? He says, you kidding me? I have six, I'm coming from a religion that has 613 laws, and you only have one rule? That's very cool. Okay? So he comes home, Friday night, he's like, see? he's still Jewish, he's not Jewish, he's a Christian, but he's still Jewish. He's like, you think I'm going to eat fish? Tells his wife, make me a good steak. Right? So she, she makes this big, delicious rib steak, right? And he's digging in Friday night, he's his rib steak. And the priest decides that he wants to see his new chassid, his new you know, Christian. He wants to see what's going on. He knocks on the door. The lady opens the door. She goes, uh-oh. He walks in. He says, one rule? I gave you one rule? Friday night? Not to eat meat? And you're eating a fat steak? 
I told you fish! And the Jewish guy looks up at the priest. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, that's not meat. That's fish. The priest says, what are you, smoking pot? <laughs> that's a big, good stick steak. What do you say it's fish? He says, hey man, I did what you did. My wife put down the steak. I took some water, sprinkled on it. I said, you were steak, now you're fish. <laughs> so like, our choices in life are either to step forward and embrace HaKadosh Baruch Hu and understand that if your hands are shaking and you're having a hard time, don't worry, he'll hold your hand. Mamish, I ask this as a quiz. Whose hand did God, whose hand did Hashem ever hold? You got the craziest answers. Whose hand, Mamish, did, whose hand in the world, since he created the world, did God holds his hand? And nobody knew the answer. Like the Fisherash, he held his hand. He didn't hold this. He didn't hold the. He didn't hold the blade. Look at what Rashi says. He held his. He held, held up Ramavino's hand. He didn't hold the the, 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 the knife. He put his hand on Abramovino's hand. He said, we'll do this together. And whenever I'm doing something, like my ranch or something I'm doing, like what he's doing and you're struggling and you don't have the money and they close the lights and they close the water and the rabbi doesn't want this and this person's against that. And, you're, and, you're having, and I'm having these challenges. Of course, the more you want to do in life, the more challenges you have. I always say the same thing. It's like, right now, my hand is shaking. I'm having a very hard time. I need you to do what you did for Abraham Lavino. I need you to hold my hand. I'm not giving myself a bris milo. I need you to hold my hand. And he always does. He always does. I'm just saying, so, so, so when you're alone and when you feel that, that, that you can't do something, Kishbaku <coughs> holds your hand. Kishbaku will be there for you. He'll make it happen. If you believe in him. If you don't believe in him, you won't be there for you. You have to have be tough and you have to have a muna. You have, you have to be... That he's, that he's there. If you don't think he's there, then why should he be there? So in this story, which is well, not one story, which is it's an amazing story, he says something. I said you should just know this that there's a whole bunch of Nachman guys on in, on Lagba Omer in my room, and they knew they knew who I was, and they were like, eh, eh, and they were like Wallenstein, oh you're the Rebbe Wallenstein, eh, eh, whatever it is. And I said, listen guys, I'm cool. I'm one of you guys. Like, what do you mean you want to look good? I'm like, I, I tell Rabbi Nachman stories. I, I tell him I went to bridge a couple of his stories. I'm like, one of you guys. I'm like, yeah, you don't know his stories. You don't know nothing. But then I don't have a beard or whatever. I said, I don't know nothing. So I told him this story. He said, oh, wow, you know that story? I'm like, yeah. I said, you guys don't know nothing. And now you got like 200 people crowded around. Because the minute they see an American talking to Israelis and, and, he, and, they're, and, they're, and they're yelling and he's right, they're like, what's going on? Why? The fight, there's something going on. It was Shabbos, like much Shabbos was like long. So they said, I said, so you know the story? They go, yeah, we know the story of the king and the and the and the wooden sword. I'm like, so let me ask you guys something. It was like 15, 20 minutes of the young guys. I said, what's the deal with the guy that was supposed to die? Why was he saved in this story? What's the marshal? Like, you're very busy with the king and the sword, Hashem, but there was a guy whose head was supposed to be chopped off. And he just got up and walked away free. And he didn't even know what was going on. I said, 
Tell me the translation of the end of the story. And they looked at me and like, I don't know. I said, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you the translation. So now all the rest of the guys were like leaning in like, this guy, literally a guy knows, right? I said, I'll tell you that I have a safer on the safer. And he asked this question. Why does that guy deserve to walk away a lot? He, he was a killer. And this old Mashiach, and he said something beautiful. He says, to Rav Nachman, it's Lubavitch, it's Kirub. He says that on what, on what credit all the non-from Jews who didn't keep Shabbos, didn't keep kosher, didn't keep tefillin, didn't keep any mitzvahs, why are they going to be saved when Mashiach comes? They don't deserve it. Because if the from Jews make a Kiddush Hashem, then the biggest Chilol Hashem would be that if the religious Jews get saved but all the religious Jews die, what are the guys going to say? You took them out of the triumph to die in the Midbar? In other words, because we're going to make a Kiddush Hashem, Hashem is going to say that all the Jews that don't deserve it, because it would look bad to the world, because they don't know people, Goyim don't know Shabbos, not Shabbos, Parash Meshmachal, they don't know, they know Jews. And they see Jews getting killed and dying, they're going to say, what? God didn't save his whole nation, only saved half his nation. So we're going to bring Mashiach, the non-religious, I'm not going to even know why they were saved. Like, I wasn't a good Jew, like, why is God saving me? This guy got up and he said, why am I being saved? He didn't know why he was being saved, but he was saved because this guy was very close to the king. So, what, what, what Rav Nachman was saying, if we do what we're supposed to do, not only are we going to save ourselves, make a Kiddush Hashem, but all the Jews that are supposed to be executed because they didn't do what they were supposed to, they're all going to be saved, and they're not going to even understand why they're going to be saved, but they're going to be saved because of us. But they shouldn't be a Chil Hashem. These guys were like, Wow! Where did you hear that? I'm like, I'm one of you guys, man. <laughs> I know what's flying, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. So that's a, a very, a very important lesson in life. Rolofsky went through a very hard time in life. I'm not, I'm, it's not for today, but I, I went through crazy abuse as a third grader. Really some bad stuff, really bad stuff. And, and it happened again in 10th grade. And I, was, I wasn't interested in Yiddishkeit. I wasn't learning. I was very angry at rabbis because it happened in third grade. And, and it was a rabbi, and it was a very bad situation. And I really only had two choices in life, and one was to, to step out and be angry, be one of those guys that's married to a guy and angry at the world, or to step in and make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen to you. And at 20 years old, even though I didn't learn one word, I didn't know how to spell the word tomorrow. I went for my first job as a rabbi, you want to call it embarrassing? Yeshiva of Bay Parkway. I'm 20 years old and I'm going, just got married, and I'm going for an interview to be a Rebbe, to be a seventh grade Rebbe, to teach Gemara. So the principal gave me a, a paper, an application to fill out. And he asked me, What Gemara do you want to teach? And I wrote, Gemara above a Matiah. But I spelled Gemara, I didn't, I didn't learn a word in my life, but I spelled Gemara Gimel Mem Reish Hey with an hour for those who don't know. And I, I wrote a hey because Mishnah has a hey because Gemara has a hey. Baba Metziah 
I spelled, I don't even know how I spelled it. But I'll tell you what happened. So this rabbi embarrassed me. I went, I went underneath the table. Come in, come in. You don't even know this yeshiva exists, right? Okay, these are, these are the most amazing 15 guys in Lakewood, right? So this is a yeshiva of boys, of boys, that are not only learning a few, couple of hours a day, whatever they learn, four hours, but this guy here, will t- he's, the, he's the head. What do you, what do you run? Air conditioning, what is it called? It's fact. Right, so he's like the, the biggest in air conditioning, whatever it was. And I got up, I got up at a shear, and at one of, at one of these shear, and I said, you know why the girls have a place? Because Wallstein got angry. I said, it's enough that they're suffering. I said, how come no one's angry about the boys? How come they don't have a place? Also, I get a phone call from this guy. Hi, it's you. Who deserved him? I'm angry. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're, you're a freak. Well, you know, I got one of these phone calls. Like, I'm angry. Okay, we're opening up Yeshiva. And we're, and we're going to buy a building. And I got guys, and we're going to teach these kids air conditioning. We're going to teach them alarms. We're going to teach them plumbing. We're going to teach them electrical. Cameras. They just did cameras. They put all the cameras in. They put the air conditioning behind you in. Right? They do everything themselves. Building, plumbing, everything. I said, okay, I'm sure whatever it is. And he, he, he pulled it off. He got angry, and he pulled it off, and we have bucks from 15 boys. And he had another one. And there's another 15 guys ready to get in. And, and, and I, he's, I, he's from uh, Antwerp. Just me, right? Right, no, he's from Antwerp. There are guys from Jersey. They're from all over the place. England. England, they're from all over the place. And it's, it's, it's in Lakewood. I said, nobody, no, 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 no one even knows that it exists. 15 guys already, first year. They just started. They just opened. You guys have They cut our water, they what? cut our electric. So they cut his water, this electric in, They cut the city. You know more about this. They cut his water. They cut his, he has no water in here. And he has no electric, there's a generator. Because you're illegal? No. <laughs> 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 No, they were going to knock the building down. Who's going to knock this building down? This is the owner. They came right away. They came right away to cut it, the electric company, instead of so giving how, us a chance. So what's going to stop them from coming down tomorrow with a bulldozer? Because the yeshiva's not paying them to knock it down. The owner of the building. Uh, you, have to, you have to pay demolition. But the city turns of electricity in the water. Even though we were in here already. These guys are, it's amazing. It's amazing. 15 guys, they're, they're open in two months. And he has 15 guys ready to get in. And your boys, how, many, how long do you, you learn two hours in the morning? Three. Huh? What's your schedule? What time do you dive in? What time do you boys dive in? What? 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. So 10? Then you have breakfast? And then you learn for two hours? Three hours. Three hours. Then what do you do? Gym, trade, the alarm system and everything else. The gym, either before or after, depending on how. So where you have teaching them trade? All different people come and volunteer. All different people come and volunteer. Some come from Brooklyn. 
Sahid has air conditioning. Last month on, uh, on refrigeration broken down to see how it actually, imagine how it actually gets cold. It's not a secret, so we had a compressor and it had them braise and then show them and it just pumps with nothing. And that's what you do? You're a refrigeration guy? Yeah, I do that. We go quite a few stores. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, so we see how it pumps and then we put a tree on it and we restrict it and see how it's spreads. Ice. I would love one day to build a nice piece in the of the corner. But I did make permits today. I mean, I'm in the process of doing it. This is hoping to build a 16 foot gazebo for them. So what a fireplace. With footing. And I asked the township, it's going to be a school that we can knock it there. He says, let them do it with permits. They'll, they'll learn how to do something right. You know? So I said, what? Mike, uh, whatever his name is. So, uh, so you're going to teach refrigeration? Air conditioning, electrical, electrical and plumbing. Plumbing, look at cameras. They're busy building. You're doing the woodworking? You're doing welding also. <laughs> that's what you do for a living, you're giving them time. I'm teaching them to really I'm saying, But that's what you do for a living, and you're giving them time. Yeah, and they're going to understand exactly how to how cooling really works. It's not just magic. And now they're going after this, they're going to the dorm. Where's the dorm? They build their own furniture in the dorm. They're going in the dorm, they, 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 they and they have a guy doing Krav Maga, uh, Krav Maga and, and bodybuilding, and then they fall apart and they fall asleep. <laughs> 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 they're all very calm, but they're still sore. They, no, the first day they came, we didn't get that furniture. Put it together yourself. They build their own furniture. Ruby, you got everything. Every single kid can run around the lake. Okay, jump around the lake. Who came in first? This guy came in first. What? He came in first. He came in first. He's the fastest guy. And then, then this guy came next. So you know what? I don't. So where would you go if this was not in Lake Now? I understand, but where would you go? If this yeshiva didn't exist, I would work. work. <laughs> what? You go where? A lot of terrorists involved. There's a lot of corrupt friends. You know, I mean, I'm glad you got angry. And they go, you go, where do you go? You, you, go to, you have a gym? They have a gym? You go to gym? Yeah. He's a personal trainer. Personal trainer. You go swimming? Did you tell me to swim? You went swimming? So you're always doing, you guys are always busy. We did a Shabbos in Staten Island last week. Yeah. And they're going to go to Chicago. Did you teach them anything? Yeah, I came through. I did the cameras with them. They played all cameras. They did their own cameras. Very cool. So, so you can build for him one day. We'll have a whole crew. We'll have a whole crew building, 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 building real estate. We're gonna do a shopping in Chicago. You'll take care of my cameras. I need some cameras on my ranch, but I'm not letting you go. Too many girls on the ranch. I'm scared that the cameras might be somewhere not uh, where they're supposed to be going. So anyway, I just want you guys to all know that I have to go to another meeting. I just want you all know that I am excited and proud of all of you because, again, I'm saying from this story that you had a choice to do with your pain and to get angry and to just hang out and take a yarmulke off and, and walk away from Hashem. That is your choice. Instead of doing that, you, instead of stepping out, you stepped in. And something that Rav Shem that I live by, what he said, is that, that a person really doesn't have have Bechira, even though we think we have Bechira, because 
important things in life, you don't have a choice. If you're a boy or a girl, at least till this year, um, right? you didn't have a choice. You're a boy, if you're a Jew, you didn't have a choice unless you're a gear. Who your parents are, it's a big one. It's not your choice. Who your peers, your family is, so another big one, it's not your choice. Pretty much where you're brought up, pretty much where you're brought up, it's not your choice. So really, who you're going to marry 40 days before you come to the world, they announce that. So really, if you break it down, what do you have choices? Vanilla, chocolate, there's no really big choices in life. So he said, so what's the, what's the reason that we're here? And he said something very brilliant. And I'll leave you with this statement. You have to think about what I'm about to say. You have to think about it for a second. He said like this. The only choice a person has in life is what to do with the things he has no choice. Step in or step out. That that's your parents, that that's your siblings, that you live where you live, that you were traumatized, or somebody hurt you, somebody made fun of you, all that wasn't your choice. Your choice in life is what you do with the things you have no choice. What happened to me in third grade, I did not have a choice. What I did with it, that I built Ornava, and a Terrace Nava, and a ranch, and got him angry enough to build the yeshiva, and all those other things that I've done in my life, that was my choice. I could have just been angry, because a, a, a religious rabbi did it, what he did to me, and I could have just married a guy, and you guys would never know me, and I would be a guy, and that was my choice. And I would go up to Shemaim, and Hashem would say, "You made the wrong choice, because if you would have stepped in instead of stepping out, you would have been involved in the yeshiva in Lakewood, and you would have helped girls." And I would have said, oh, "Give me one more chance. Send me back down the line. No, no return trip. You can't go back now." And that's like that's hell. Going to the next world and looking at your your potential that you didn't that you didn't realize, and you sit there and watch it forever, and you're like, just give me one more chance. I can't believe I could have done that. Sorry, no chance. That's hell. What's heaven? Heaven is looking at your potential that you did keep, and looking at all the people that you did help. So I don't know your traumas, boys. I don't know why you're here. And I don't know your families, and I don't know the stuff that you went through. But I do know your choice. Your choice is to step in and to use your pain to help others or to step out and, and give up. That's your choice. So that's what Rav Shimshin said. The choice you have in life is what do you do with the things you have no choice. The things that were done to you that you didn't ask for. Step in or step out. That's the only two choices really you have in life. And Baruch Hashem, every guy that's sitting here, you all stepped in. You all made the right choice. You're all here. You're not sitting at the pizza shop with your girlfriend on your lap, angry at the whole world, and, and upset at the whole world and want to show the whole world that you know that you're baptized or that you have that you have you're smoking pot and that you have tattoos you know look at it in the end what do you have you have nothing you did nothing you wasted your whole life yeah you had a choice you guys said no I want to learn I want to earn and I don't want to burn you've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com